Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 11th, 2014, and today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page nine. We're going to start with the first paragraph today. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Christine M., The 12 Traditions, excuse me, The 12 Steps, Sarah W., The 12 Traditions, Diane G., readers of the text will be Sally A., Marie P., and Charles H. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, November 10th, 2014, is 7022. 7022. And the reference number for Sunday's special edition, which was November 9th, 2014, is 7020. That's for Sunday's special edition, 7020. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sarah W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
resolve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. Grateful to be here today to read the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, I'll lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page nine, and we're starting with paragraph one and I will ask Sally A. to begin the reading. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Sally A., a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. The door opened, and he stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. 
What had happened? I pushed a drink across the table. He refused it. Disappointed but curious, I wondered what had got into the fellow. He wasn't himself. Come, what's all this about? I queried. He looked straight at me, simply but smilingly. He said, I've got religion. So we see here that Bill is being a little bit thrown off his game, his comfort zone. Something is different. He, First of all, we see that he's been setting up this binge since the bottom of page 8 when he mentions that his wife has gone to work. He's, he's checked around the house. He's made sure he's got enough for his, his binge. And, um, you know, he's, he's all ready for what's about to happen. He's got his day set up. And then the phone interrupts him. And then his friend, a friend from the past, announces that he's coming over. And he's already, he's already lost in his thought about this friend who sounds like he's sober on the phone. And, and, that, and he's remembering his, his drinking buddy. And he's excited that he's going to have company to drink. And, and yet he's, you know, he's got a sense of, you know, I'll feed the fellow and then I can get lost in me again, me and the drink, just me and the drink. It's all about me and the drink. And then we get to this paragraph that we're reading this morning. The door opens, his friend is standing there, and something has changed. His friend is not the same person that he was anticipating. His friend is changed. And then he goes on to say, I pushed a drink across the table. I don't know about you, but people have been pushing food my way since I can remember. And he refused, his friend refused it. His friend had a different response than was anticipated. And Bill is thrown off. And right away, he's just, he's getting agitated now. Okay, what's this about? All right, what, what's going on? Come on, what's all this about? I queried. And his friend simply looked at him with a smile and said, I've got religion. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you. Who would like to comment on what was read today? Marcella. Hi, good morning, Marcella. Let me catch these the other ones here, Marcella. Did I hear Larry? Uh, and Vasa. Yes. And Vasa. Okay, let's go with those three, please. Good morning, Marcella. Good morning. Um, I want to say so much. Um, my name is Marcella. My recovered composer over here. I I love this where we're standing, um, fresh and glowing and and the sparkly eyes and all your feet are still living inside the body. And I've had that experience. Uh, it was a time, I think it was a year ago, when we had a retreat and, and, and there were at least six people, six petitioners in the room. And, and we were walking from one table to the other, recognizing Marcella? Yeah? It might be my line, but I hear, uh, I'm not hearing but every other word that you're saying, like there's some breaking up. Like I said, it may be my line, but I just wanted to say it out loud in case it was everyone else's line, too, that was hearing, not hearing all of what you're saying. Better? Oh, much better. Thank you so much. Is it better? Yes, better. Thank you oh, so good, much. Oh, good, good, good. Okay, so I was saying that um, this experience of standing in front of one another, fresh, glowing, with a sparkly eyes, I've had that experience. I think it was a year ago when um, I was in the same room with at least another six divisionaries and we were walking from one table to another, uh, recognizing the voices that we hear daily, and it was a blast. Just saying, I know that voice. I know who you are. 
and then to see that the voices match, match the bodies. The bodies were slim, were thin, were happy, were glowing, were fresh. Obviously, it was very obvious that the spirit was living inside that body. And um, in this gig functions that work by attraction and not and rather than promotion, nothing is more convincing than um, the people that you have seen before, that know you before. Like people that, that haven't seen you like in six years, they really don't recognize me. There's something vaguely familiar about my face, but they don't recognize me. They think that I'm a relative of myself, but I guess I am. <laughs> I'm a distant relative of myself now that I have recovered and I have had a spiritual experience. And nothing is more attractive than providing that image to a suffering alcoholic and narcissist, a suffering compulsive overeater that is still in the foot, and will that pass? Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Marcella. Larry Kay. Hi, Mel. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. <clears throat> so, um, you, you know, the, the door opened, and so there he was, and you know, I feel down to, you know, uh, there was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? You know, what had happened? And um, that jumps out at me because, you know, I know what happened because I've experienced it. So even though this was published in, in 1939 and this, this experience was even prior to that, I, I know exactly what happened. See, there was transcendence. Um, he had been, there was a restoration process, you know, from destruction to restoration. That's what this, this practical program of action has to offer, is, is going from, just like I did, that's what happened to Ebby, is, um, he was, he, he, he was uh, um, nearly annihilated by this disease, and then he was, for, for some unexplicable reason, he was restored to sanity. I mean, that's crazy when you think about it. I, when I think about what happened to me, to go through that restoration process, you know, I'm not the man that I was. And, you know, I think there has to be kind of a marriage between science and the spirit. Because the word religion, um, I, I, I had a, uh, let's just say a healthy skepticism. I don't know how healthy it really was for me in my life. I, I, I think differently now. It wasn't very healthy at all, that skepticism, because it kept me stuck in the quicksand of life. You know, remember, for, you know, for a guy like me, binge eating was just a, um, that was just a manifestation of a spiritual malady that I had, a complete spiritual malady. So when we hear... You know, we had a problem with living, yeah. And then it manifested itself in different forms, one of which was, you know, that I, I had this allergy to the body and obsession of mind. But so, you know, Evie walks in there and this guy has religion. He's got, um, you know, if I had heard that, you know, how I got religion, I might have responded the way Bill did. Oh, boy, you know. Well, goody for you, you know. Um, meantime, I'm stuck in my misery. I think that's where I'll stay. But see, my evidence that I've been restored to sanity is substantial because I have, I have peace in the midst of calamity. It's not just that the food is down. That's, that's, that left me long ago. You know, the obsession was removed. Um, but I have peace in the midst of calamity um, when none existed before. You know, this kind of daily renewal. You know, absolute transcendence. That's what happened for Ebby and 
you know, it t- tells us on page 47, do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what this means to you. You know, at the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect, you know, our first conscious relation with God as we understood God. And and that's what it seems to be happening to Bill. We'll, we'll read more. You know, um, this is the language of the uncorrupted core of all spiritual tradition. And I'll wrap up by saying that, you know, what I think, like this, this vision for you, this, you know, we're on this telephone line, what gives us as a community a glow greater than the sum of our individual selves is the identity of knowing transcendence, like Abby did. We know, therefore we are transcended. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Bella. Can I share? Good morning, Bella. Yes, of course. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. I have got religion. Wow. It brings me back to myself before program. I remember when I came the first time at the meeting, and I heard a bunch of people talking about God. I said to myself, oh, Bella, this place is not for you. You know, I came here to talk about food, to talk about diet, to talk how to stop eating, not to talk about God, especially when I, then I said, I am a religious person, I know who is God, you know, you don't have to tell me who is God. Wow, this was my first reaction and my last reaction about this, because Thank you, God, that now I am in the program. I know that for me, the solution is to find God. And I did. I found a different God that I knew before. And now I don't have to be connected to my ego, to my control, to my power. Today, thank you, God, I am connected to God. Yes, I am connected to God to a power greater than myself. Yes, I accept and admit that I am powerless and I have my own limitations. And yes, I am connected with a power greater than myself, a loving power and accepting power. And yes, today for me, my solution, my recovery is nothing to do with food. Today, my recovery is all about my connection to the loving God. And today, my God is a loving God, an accepting God, and not a punishing God. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. And actually, I owe an apology to Vasa. Oh, I had you written down as reading after, or sharing after. Just, just one moment, please, folks. I wanted to make sure that Vasa O had her chance. I overlooked her, and she was supposed to be sharing after Larry K. Thank you. There. Yes, I'm here. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you for your Thank service. You. And then we'll come back to those that were, were um, seeking to share after Vasa shares. Good morning, Vasa. Good morning, and thank you. And um, I am Vasa Recovery Compulsive Ovida, calling from Foxborough. We, I mean, we, I'm calling from Florida now. We are here for the winter. But anyways, um, this is exactly what happened to me. I can relate to Bill. 
uh, I had a friend that uh, we had been friends off and on for a while. We grew up, you know, the children grew, I grew up with, with her, my kids grew up with her kids. But anyways, we played tennis. We did a lot of stuff together, but we lost contact for a while. And I remember calling her and her husband said, oh, no, she's going to a meeting. I don't, you know, she's not home. And I'd say, well, will you have a call me back? And she never called, and I was really getting irritated with her. So I kind of gave up. I said, I'm not going to keep on chasing her, so I just stopped calling. And, you know, and then later on, she walked through my kitchen without even calling. She knocked on the door, and she came in. And it's exactly, the door opened, and she stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about her. She was explicitly different. What had happened and I'm sure I had offered her probably a muffin or coffee or whatever. I don't know what happened in that area. But I saw the difference in her, and I said, what happened to you? Because we were, you know, like she was struggling with the food addiction. She had lost a lot of weight, and she looked wonderful. You know, she was dressed really nice, and her eyes were just glowing. And uh, she wasn't herself. Uh, and... And I wanted to know. I wanted to know what was the difference. What was she doing? What kind of a diet is she on, you know? And she just smiled to me, and she said, I found program, and I found God. I found OA program, and I found God. And uh, and I, I just, I didn't know what to think, you know. I didn't know what to think at that time. But I liked what I saw, and I wanted to have what she had. And she was very gentle and very kind and very loving. And she 12-stepped me, uh, you know, the 12-step, the way the, the, you know, the way the step is laid out, you know. She didn't push it. She didn't shove it in my, my throat. And she said, I'll be happy to, you know, I started talking, we started talking about the food addiction. And she said, I'll be very happy to take you to my first meet to our to my first to your first meeting and i you know i lost so much hope i had given into the food addiction for after trying for so long so many years i just there was nothing left for me to do so she gave me hope and she said it doesn't cost anything they pass the basket around the t- around around if you have a little money you can put in if you don't you don't I like that part because everything I did or I wanted to do, it was money, 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 weight watches and all that stuff. And uh, I didn't have that money, much money. It's not like I was spending a lot of money. I did not have much money, but whatever I did, I tried to do at times. And she had me sold. You know, she had me sold. She, I did have the abstinence the before I went to from my first meeting, I give up the sugars. I was terrified. She said, sugar, it's a drug, you know. It's poison for our body. And then about a week, she would call me, hi, how you doing? You ready to go to the first meeting? And I said, yeah, I'm looking forward to do that. And that was the, be- the beginning. I feel like she was, a God sent me a messenger, and she was the, the messenger, you know. That brought me in the program. My time is up. There'll be another time for me to share from who I'd like to hear somebody else's experience. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. Let's get those that were asking to share before. Who would like to comment? Scotty Kay. 
Good morning, Scotty. Nicole. And Nicole. Let's go with those two for now. Thank you. Good morning, Scotty. It's your turn. Hey. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Scott Griffley, Recovered Compulsive Operator from New York City. Um, just, uh, you know, this is one of my favorite paragraphs in the book. Um, I mean, this whole page 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, which is such a metamorphosis and such an experience, um, watching Bill go through his own experience, you know, because all those pages, it's just, it's all happening basically in his head before he goes to the hospital. It's just all sitting there over, over a weekend, pretty much. And it's just, it's just pretty amazing how um, I love the, re- the word religion. And if you notice, the word religion has a small r. Uh, every single reference to God in the big book is capitalized. Um, and even like false gods, false gods like King Alcohol or, or uh, John Barleycorn and, and things along those lines of what people put up as, as gods to keep them away from, from their own you know, version of a higher power is capitalized, and this one isn't. Um, and you know, a lot of us, you know, when we study the, the history of the Oxford groups and everything, know that, that what um, Ebby was really there to do was, was to talk to Bill about you know, Christianity and, and, and how he could be saved from the Oxford, you know, with the Oxford movement and first century Christianity and everything. So I think you know, they went to great lengths to really get people to look at this as you, know, you can have your own personal higher power. It can be a God personal to you, and on purpose they, they made that R small. Um, and then, you know, just to share real quick, I had my fresh skin and glowing moment with, with a former sponsee who I had um, not connected with in years. I had moved away, moved across country to Las Vegas and lived there for a bunch of years, came back to New York. This person was really, really um, a sick bulimic um, to the point where it was just like, really, uh, you go to meetings, like the worst bulimic you could possibly imagine um, in, in a meeting with all the stuff. And, and with everything and, and just the face and just everything was a mess. And then when I came back to town, I went to the 2011 uh, Region 6 convention up in White Plains, New York. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice across the room, Scott, Scott, hey. And this person comes and throws their arms around me and hugs me. And I'm saying to myself, who is this person? How do they know me? How do I know her? And, and I finally turn around and I look and I see, I, I look at the face. I'm like, oh, my God, is it you? And, you know, she tells me she's been you know, abstinent for years and then she had a spiritual experience and, and just everything started changing in her life. And, and it was to the point where I didn't even recognize her anymore because just her eyes, you know, they say the eyes are the mirrors to the soul. And it's just so absolutely amazing. And I'm just so grateful to be in this fellowship for, for more than half my life and um, be abstinent and, and be clean. And I'm just grateful for that and with that I'll pass. Thank you. Nicole, is it Nicole S? Yes. Hi, this is Nicole. I'm a um, recovered compulsive reader from Colorado. And um, I just really like what they said where, where he was glowing. And I think back to my very first OA meeting in um, February of 2001. And um, I, I didn't really see that in the, the group. I, it was more of um, you know people that it's better than what it was, but um, people weren't working the, the steps um, and they weren't recovered. And um, I haven't had a face-to-face meeting where I live um, for uh, 10 years now, but um, I, I really feel this. It's interesting, even though I don't see people glowing um, you know, on a face-to-face, I, I feel it on the phone and when people are talking, you can um, just hear that the, the recovery and that they are just so excited and um, that they are just glowing because um, they've had the gift of of recovery and um, that's just been so wonderful to hear and 
um, even though I can't can't see their faces face to face. But um, and it makes me think too. It's like, am I am I that you know that glowing? Am I am I carrying the message? And am I glowing? Because that's attractive to people. And when people see somebody glowing because they you know they have recovery, they're they're attracted to it and they want that. So that's a good thing for me to look at um, to see if that's um, really what I'm sounding like and what I'm acting like and if I'm really glowing because um, I have the gift of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nicole. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Hi, this is Kathy in Boston. I'll take Kathy in Boston and one more person. Who would that be? Larissa. Marissa? Larissa with an L. Larissa. Larissa. Okay, great. Thank you. Kathy Kay and then Larissa. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Uh, this is Kathy Kay from Boston, a recovered compulsive overeater. And I really want to um, speak to the people on the line who may uh, be as agnostic as I was when I first met somebody uh, from Overeaters Anonymous. I really bristled at the notion of uh, the solution being to get religion. And uh, what I know today, it was uh, being willing, and I don't know where that willingness came from, it must have come from my higher power, to listen to people's stories and to hear that the dark places they had been um, were the same place that I had been. And... um, I was willing, again, I don't know how that willingness came, to suspend judgment and to hear them out. And I remember the first few meetings I went to, I just ignored the mention of God and higher power and took um, the stories and listened to the suggestions and uh, little by little got on a path which led me to be more open and willing and honest. And that's really all that it took um, to get me started on building a relationship with a higher power. I'm just so grateful um, that this fellowship exists because it's what enabled me to get outside my old ways of thinking. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Larissa. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Larissa. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in suburbs of New York. Really thrilled to be with you all this morning. Um, love this paragraph. And, you know, Evie was horrible at 12-stepping. <laughs> you know, could you imagine going to someone today and saying, hey, I got religion? Um, so for me, um, the reminder of the directions we're given in working with others for how to carry the message, we're really taught to never lead with the solution, but to lead with showing someone um, the, how they're doomed, how if they're one of us and if they have the physical allergy and the mental obsession, how there is no other way out but to follow direction. And, um, you know, um, it's a big pill to follow. I am so grateful that Evie said to Bill, why don't you try your own conception of God? Because I didn't believe in a God coming into these dreams. And, um and I'm really clear that you don't have to believe in God to recover, but you have to believe that something other than yourself can bring you healing. And then that 
Larissa, we can't hear you anymore. Larissa, can you press star one? Okay, I'm not sure what happened there. I didn't press any buttons to mute myself. Can you hear me now? I can. Okay, sorry. I don't know what got across and what didn't, but that's okay. Um, so, you know, the reminder of, of how to 12-step for me is very much in how Evie approached Bill and the reminder that Bill failed miserably with his first six prospects because he was, like, dragging people off our stools and trying to give them religion. Um, so we're not meant to lead with, with the spiritual solution in order to gain someone's confidence. Um, and for me, you know, the whole notion of someone showing up fresh skin and glowing, um, for me it was uh, 2010, uh, a phone bridge just like the one we're on this morning, and uh, I wasn't allowed to share on the meeting. Uh, it was requested that people be living in steps 10, 11, and 12. And it was like a beacon of light and hope, the voices I heard on that line. I was clear that I wanted what these women had, and I was willing to go to any length to get it. And um, uh, I have been told, and it's sort of funny, I don't think we see it in ourselves, but I remember early on in my recovery, in my recovered journey, and um, having the privilege of uh, carrying the message, um, my, my disease would have me not think I'm useful because I wasn't thin yet. Um, I, I started at 300-pound numbers. And... Um, Without exception, when my protégés met me to work their steps, the the um, response that I got was that I glow. And um, I'm really clear that when God is working in our lives, that sunlight of the Spirit shines in us, on us, and through us. And what a gift and a privilege to be living in these steps and to be able to be a beacon of light and hope for those who are still suffering. Thanks so much for letting me share. Thank you, Larissa. And reading on... And reading on, I would ask, I hear you, Rebecca. I'm going to read on, please, um, with Marie P. Starting the next paragraph, a couple, I was aghast. And then Rebecca will catch you for sharing next. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. This is Marie P., a compulsive overeater recovered. I was aghast. So that was it. Last summer, an alcoholic crackpot. Now I suspected a little cracked about religion. He had that starry-eyed look. Yes, the old boy was on fire, all right. But bless his heart, let him rant. Besides, my gin will last longer than his preaching. But he had no ranting. In a matter-of-fact way, he told how two men had appeared in court, persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. They had told of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That was two months ago, and the result was self-evident. It worked. Uh, so we're, we're being told here that Bill's old friend looked completely different. He was glowing. His eyes were different. And he piqued Bill's curiosity. Then he refused to drink even more curious. Bill asked what it was all about. He got religion. Now Bill is thinking his friend is a crackpot. I remember going to my parents when I was first in OA and telling them I was restricting my food for Thanksgiving dinner. 
My father was aghast. He was a compulsive overeater and my enabler, and he clearly did not want me to limit my food. At that time, if I had had the knowledge of Big Book, and if I had known Bill's story, because at that time we weren't we weren't really doing that at the OA meetings I went to. Um, it was more like a diet club, um, and so I I did not have that to pass on. But if I had the opportunity now, and of course it's too late, I would I would twelve step my father in a minute and I think I think it would be so beautiful to do that and I think we we both would be recovered if that had happened and this is exactly what Ebby is doing for Bill now he's 12 stepping Bill thank you for letting me share Pat thank you Marie and Rebecca Hi, would Carolyn. you like the first person to share Charles can I share Wanted to check to see if Rebecca wanted to be the first person to share. That would be great. Thanks so much. Thank you. And then I wanted to go with, before we start with you, Rebecca, the three people that I heard. And I heard um, Leah and Janice and Charles. Did I hear anybody before Leah? Uh, Carolyn was in there somewhere. Carolyn. Okay. And let's go, let's just do it that way if you don't mind. Um, people go with Carolyn, Leah, Janice, and Charles. Thanks, Rebecca. You go first. Thanks so much, Melanie. This is Becca W. Um, recovered in Maryland. Good morning, everyone. Um, I just wanted to talk about how when I first came into the program, um, it was all about losing weight for me. I saw the steps on the wall, but I didn't think that they applied to me, and, and that wasn't because of an ego thing. It was because I didn't get it. So, you know, here in, in our story, we're talking about the spiritual awakening, and we're talking about a simple um, program of action. And um, what's the difference between losing weight and having a spiritual awakening? Well, the difference when we work these steps is that what we're doing is clearing um, away the blockages that we've created. Um, we're, we're unblocking ourselves from God. And so you can lose all, weight all you want, and maybe that's attractive on the surface, and people may come up to you and say, wow, you look great. But when you have the spiritual awakening, it's this incredible attraction that people, they gravitate towards you. And what's happening, at least for me, is that when I started unblocking everything um, and I started creating this conscious contact with God, God's light started shining through me. It filled up my insides. It gave me the glow in my eyes. And as a, as a, a byproduct, I was losing weight because, yes, I was eating real food instead of processed food. So my body and God started regulating my body where the weight just was falling off. And I didn't care about the weight anymore. It was about the spiritual connection. So as my body is filling up with the light, you know, it's, it's filling up inside. It's coming out my eyes and all of my pores. And now it's shining on the outside, too, matching my inside to my outside. And that's the kind of spiritual awakening that I have experienced, and it's attractive to others. So now others are coming up to me, and I have the privilege of working with others, giving them, showing them how I got what they can get to. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Becca W. Carolyn S. 
Hi, uh, this is Carolyn S. from New York, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I really do love these two paragraphs. Um, I was aghast. Uh, that's certainly what my reaction would have been. Um, I was not at all a religious person coming in, and you know, I would have considered myself somewhat spiritual, but I didn't have a personal God. Um, alcoholic crackpot, that sounds about like what I would think. Um, the old man, boy was on fire, like, you know, but bless his heart, let him rant. Um, you know, let, let, let him try to make a difference. You know, here, here's my gin, and uh, it's going to go way longer than anything he can say. And here, it's very important, he did no ranting. And um, I think that uh, this is a really, really important part of 12-stepping somebody is not to talk down to them, not to, you know, preach. Um, he, he told him in a matter-of-fact way, you know, oh, yeah, here, this is what happened to me. Um, about a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. Simple and practical. And that's what these 12 steps are. Um, you know, they're, they're not easy, but they're not complicated either. Um, and then, of course, this was two months ago, and the result was self-evident. It worked. And that's it. I mean, we want to bear witness um, to those who would help through our, our, our transformation, um, not through saying, you know, look at me, <laughs> this is what I did, you know, isn't it great? Um, no, I mean, let your your changed person speak, not just your body, but your your spirit. You know, people told me way before I got into the right way, you know, wow, you look different, you look really happy, you look peaceful. Um, that was communicating something even before a healthy body weight was. And now the two things together are communicating something. They're They're attracting people. So my, my job is to, you know, talk about my experience and, and, you know, where I've come from and where I am now, not to say, you know, you need to do this um, because ranting turns people off. At least that's my experience. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. Leah M. Thanks so much, Melanie, for your service. Good morning, everybody. Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. In a matter-of-fact way, he told how two men had appeared in court persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. They had told of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That was two months ago, and it worked. Um, you know, this, uh, you know, interaction that occurred, you know, where Ebby T. arrives on Bill's doorstep one day with what? Uh, with a message of hope. You know, Bill's hungover and floundering in the throes of his alcoholism but um you know what what ebby had uh to say pierced his you know soul it touched him um you know and and that is the power you know in our text it says we have recovered and have been given the power to help others and that's exactly you know what we're reading today i mean first of all um you know why was it that Ebby could communicate with Bill in ways that not even Dr. Silkworth could touch. I mean, Dr. Silkworth, uh, you know, was tremendous in Bill's evolution of this whole, uh, you know, uh, miraculous event. But, you know, Ebby did touch Bill in the way that Dr. Silkworth couldn't. Why was that? Because Bill knew that Ebby was a hopeless case. You know, Ebby was about to be locked up. But there he was sober and free, you know, and he brought um, a kind of communication and evidence that even Dr. Silkworth could not give. 
Because why? Because here was one drunk talking to another. And that is our power. That is our power. You know, that we can say to a still-suffering compulsive overeater that I used to be like that. I used to eat like that. I used to feel that way, too. You know, Bill knew that Ebby uh, had lived in that strange and hopeless uh, madness and mayhem of alcoholism, and here he was sitting across the table, a free man. And that was powerful. And that is the same message. And, of course, he described how that occurred. He told his story. And that's exactly what you and I do today, whether it's on this line to those who are still suffering or one-on-one or in a face-to-face meeting. We have the opportunity, because we are recovered, to say, you know what? I also came here restless, irritable, and discontent. I also came here filled with fear and shame and remorse and resentment. I came here self-centered too. I came here very frightened. And I no longer live that way because I've gone from that condition of the mind to the condition that's described in the promises that we all know so well. And how has that occurred? That's occurred because I, I underwent, I had undergone a radical change in my personality. And that's what we call a spiritual awakening. A personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. Thank you very much. I apologize for that, Leah. With all those that are um, not going to be speaking, press star one to mute your phone, and then we'll move on to Janice M. to share this morning. Well, good morning to you, um, Melanie, and everyone. Um, My name is Janice M. I'm from Massachusetts, and I'm a grateful compulsive overeater. How can I follow that? Uh, well, anyway, you sh- I may hopefully I'll say it in a different way to to reinforce. Yeah, you know, um, he, Bill. Now, see, this is going to be a turning point, a slight turning point for Bill, because now we know he knows about step one. He he got that that information from Doctor Silkworth. Okay, but okay, so he's got step one. So the process is going into step two. You know. Bill drank heavily, or however, he drank and drank and drank with Ebby. Ebby was his drinking buddy. So now he sees this man, and he's just, he's just so shocked that he's a living proof of somebody who has changed in front of him. How can, how can one deny my friend who I was eating all the time with how she's changed, how she looks, how she acts, how she, how she talks? Well, this is this is what's happening to Bill. Bill is seeing living proof of someone that was one way, now is completely different. And, you know, he's talking and he's a little sarcastic, you know, a little cracked about religion, you know, before he was uh, an alcoholic crackpot. I think that's the funniest thing. Well, anyway, so, so now, but you see, he thought he was going to preach to him and, and convince him, try to convince him that you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you can't do that, you can't do this. And you know what? He didn't do that. And this is happening today, 2014, when a recovered compulsive overeater approaches a newcomer. We don't tell them that they're alcohol, I mean, compulsive overeater. We give them our story, our experience, like like it was mentioned with Leia. You know, an ex-problem, compulsive overeater, on page 18, 
can be more effective than all the doctors and all the parents, anybody, because we, we, we can understand them. We've experienced that. We know how it was. We ate like you. We thought like you. We complained like you. Um, but now, you see, he did no preaching. He just, what did he do? Message. He carried this message of results. This is how I was. This is how, what I was like. This is what happened. And look at this is how I am today. Results. I had all kinds of methods, but I never had a result. So he's bringing, beside the information, which is number one, he's bringing him the spiritual part of it. And then, you know, the practical program after that. And it's quite a nice story um, to, to, to read about why he was, he was almost committed and, and um, you know, two men saved him and brought him to the Oxford group, which was the religious group, and that's where he got the religion. And it worked. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Charles H. Good morning, everybody. My name is Charles. I eat too much of a recovered compulsive over here representing from Yonkers, New York. And you guys know, right, I'm a visionary, and you guys know, like, for me to wait this long, y'all already know I jump on in the first five minutes, but, you know, soaking up so much and um, so much from all the shares. So I was aghast, right? That mean, aghast means shocked, flabbergasted. Couldn't believe it. Stunned. Amazed, right? Wow, last summer, this guy was as hopeless as I am right now. But now he's cracked about religions. Good-looking, Scott K., small r. I get that. I get that, right? But bless his heart. The old boy was on fire. I'm on. I'm that old boy, and I'm on fire every single day preparing for vision for you. And we don't do no preaching. And Ebby and, and, and didn't do no preaching either. And the, the, the great 12-step thing here, how they 12-step Ebby, they went in, looked out for him, persuaded the judge to, 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 to suspend his commitment, and they told him, here go the hit right here, simple religious, small r, simple religious. And on page 12, when Ebby dropped the bomb on him, and, and I tell it, says, why don't you just find your own conception of God? So that's the simple religious idea. And, of course, the practical program is the 12 drastic proposals which which where the transformation comes in at. And and you know, like I always say, we always talk about the ninth and tenth stomp ninth and tenth ten step promises, but here go another promise, it worked. What worked? What worked? A simple religious idea and a practical program. That's what of action. That's what works. That's what worked. And that's what transformed this this alcoholic crackpot. That's what transformed this compulsive overeating crackpot. I'm going to say it again. I say it all the time. I live in 10, 11, 12, and 1. I have to remember that I was a compulsive overeating crackpot. That's why when I qualify or when I share or when I, you know, identify myself, my name is Charles, I eat too much. However, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater just for today utilizing a simple religious idea and practical program of action. And I am on fire to give it to somebody. And I was at, I was at, a, um, I was at a beginner's meeting yesterday, and 
you know, I was almost sleeping in it, in it because I didn't hear nothing about Big Book. But once the, the young lady said Big Book and she started referencing Dr. Dependent, that meeting lit up. It was it was, it was the greatest beginner's beating I ever went to. And, and guess what? We got a couple of visionaries up on there now. I'm on fire for this recovery. I'm on fire to, to, to fan the flame to others that want it. Right, I don't go around wearing no shirt saying visionary or having a diamond gold tooth with a with a V in there. I ain't doing none of that. It's attraction rather than promotion. And you know what? I'm grateful for Eddie, um, because he was in hell and uh he helped Bill out of hell. And I'm grateful for Dr. Silkworth for planting the seed. But like like um others have mentioned, if one person was in hell, like, you know, I could recall being in a um, you know, it, 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 it locked down, right? And a counselor talking to me. If he wasn't in hell, you ain't helping me. If you just doing it, and again, that's just my personal opinion. If you wasn't in hell, you wasn't counseling me. I need somebody. I need evidence that you've been there and you you got out of it. How you got out of it? Oh, I got out of it. Simple religious idea and practical program of action. And with that, I'm a pass. Thanks. Thank you. We have time for one two-minute share before we need to close. Monica. Suji. I hear Monica. Let's go with Monica today, and uh, the rest they stay for the second meeting that's coming up straight away. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you, and thank you to everyone. My name is Monica Monica T., (laughs) and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Wow. Um, I was aghast. I was shocked. But he did no ranting. He did no preaching. But here is Ebby standing in front of him, looking different. You know, he knows Ebby. He's an old drinking buddy of his, and he's, um, you know, he, he's a gutter drunk and, and was about to be committed because of it. And here he is standing in front of him with sparkling eyes, fresh face. You know, he's cleaned. He's dressed up. He's got a sparkle out of his eyes. He's not ranting. He's not preaching. But in a matter-of-fact way, he tells how these two men came and helped him. And one of these guys, his name is Roland Hazard. And we're going to read about Roland Hazard. We're going to hear more about Roland later on in the book. And the other guy was Seba Graves. And his, uh, the, the judge was a relative of his, how they had come. And these two guys are part of the, of the Oxford group. And they were old friends and drinking buddies of Abby's too. And how they had come with a message. You know, and that's what attracted me. When I went to that first big book, step, uh, big book meeting and I saw recovered people, they had a sparkle in their eyes and they weren't ranting. They said their stories matter-of-factly and I wanted what they had. And they said, okay, do this work, Monica. Work the steps. And I did. And I uh, am so grateful. Thank you all. And I pass. Thank you, Monica. And thank you to everyone that shared today. It is time to close our meeting. And we'll close it with a reading from the big book on page 164. And we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Will Charles H. please read A Vision for You? A book is meant to be suggestive only. Okay, I got it. Let me uh, let me just get there. Um, Charles, a recovered compulsive reader. I eat too much. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. 
The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.